Welcome to the podcast of Azel Christian Church. We are a Disciples of Christ Church community in Azel, Texas. We invite everyone to be who you are with us, the doubting, the believing, the wondering, and everything in between. On this podcast, you'll hear our pastor, Reverend Ashley Dargai, preach on how the expansive and generative love of God is seen through Jesus, the prophets, the early church, and the faith forebears, and how this love helps us care for the world more deeply and faithfully. Sometimes it's messy and tough, but it's good news, and it is for you. Our text for today is Colossians 4, 2 through 18. It's our last reading from Colossians. It's on the back of your bulletin. It's on the screen if you'd like to follow along. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray for us as well, that God will open to us a door for the word, that we may declare the mystery of Christ for which I am in prison, so that I may reveal it clearly as I should. Conduct yourselves wisely toward outsiders, making the most of the time, and let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer everyone. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a beloved brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, so that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, the faithful and beloved brother who is one of you, and they will tell you about everything here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, greets you. These are the only ones of the circumcision among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, greets you. He is always striving in his prayers on your behalf so that you may stand mature and fully assured in everything that God wills. For I testify for him that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters in Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and see that you read also the letter from Laodicea, and say to Archippus, see that you complete the task that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. If you had to explain to someone how to pray, where would you begin? Would you first begin with what a prayer is? Would you start with how you pray? Would you open up your Bible looking for clues? Or perhaps a poem? Or a hymn? A piece of theology about prayer? Mother Teresa said that prayer is this. I look at Christ and Christ looks at me. Marjorie Suhaki, a Disciples of Christ theologian, says that prayer changes the way the world is and therefore changes what the world can be. Prayer opens the world to its own transformation. Max Lucado, 
an author many of you have been learning from, said that prayer is the window that God has placed in the walls of our world. Leave it shut and the world is a cold, dark house, but throw back the curtains and see God's light. Martin Luther, the father of the Protestant Reformation, said that prayer is climbing up into the heart of God. And Anne Lamott said, here are the two best prayers I know. Help me, help me, help me. And thank you, thank you, thank you. I myself have, try have tried all sorts of prayers. I am a dabbler. I am, in a way, a professional prayer. I've done the list prayers, you know, working meticulously through the laundry list of people as I lay in my bed at night. Throughout my teenage years, I kept a prayer journal. My attic is full of boxes of prayer journals from that time, and I'm afraid to go through them. I used to try to think of an original name for God every single day for years. And I got very creative. Um, some would call it creative. I said outrageous things like, to the chocolate in my milk. These days, most holy one does the job for me. And I use prayer beads a lot right now. I have a couple of them I wanted to show you. I got these little ones in Hungary at a thousand-year-old church that I'll tell you about sometime. And it has St. Christopher on it, who is the patron saint of travelers. I don't pray to Christopher, but I do appreciate his companionship. This one I bought for a friend but kept for myself. Don't tell her. And this one I made in children's class in Lent. They have similar ones. I like to use prayer beads, especially when I'm feeling anxious, gripping one bead at a time and repeating a breath prayer. The classic one is, Lord, have mercy on me, or Christ within me, or sometimes I just say, dear God, help. I write prayers and borrow prayers and share prayers during our pastoral prayer moment. Sometimes I use old trusty sources like the Book of Common Prayer. Other times, I'm inspired by an author or a theologian or a poet I saw on Instagram. And many of you lead prayers with the children or from the table, ones you've perhaps written beforehand, ones you pray extemporaneously, or ones you've borrowed from people who have said things just right. And then there's the silent prayers that float around after we take communion each week an energy that somehow comes from the little wafer and a sip of juice and a pinch of remembrance. We have a prayer group that has met religiously throughout the years at Azel on Wednesday morning. They bring breakfast and they brew coffee and they catch up on all the goings on and then they pray. And in the words of one of the members, you can't pray on an empty stomach. And then there's the reply all prayer. Someone sends out an email or a group text, so-and-so is in the hospital. And quickly, the responses roll in. Prayers abound, sending love to their family. Oh, mercy, they're in my prayers. Prayer hands emoji, heart emoji. If you've been to an ordination service, you know that an essential moment of the service is the laying on of hands. Now, I was ordained in November 2020, so we couldn't have a big gathering for my ordination service, so... Many of you and others from all over sent in prayers written on hand cutouts. And some of them have very eloquent prayers written on them. Others have a Bible verse, 
Some handprints are colored or painted. There's one that's hand-stitched. One is on a piece of styrofoam. One just says, you go, girl, which is a prayer I now pray a lot. And they were all taped on a prayer shawl that was draped over me during the laying on of hands moment. Prayers transcending time and space and ethers of the internet. But prayer is not just words, right? At the end of Sunday school each week, our parlor class does a centering prayer. And centering prayer is a time of sitting in silence, expecting nothing, but only making oneself available to God. Our goal is not enlightenment or holiness or an answer, though those would be nice. Our goal is simply God. And we sit still for five minutes, shifting uncomfortably from time to time, a tummy rumbling, and I play a meditative song to help mask those sounds. And then we say amen and disperse. And of course, Christianity does not own prayer, right? We've all seen footage of Jewish men rocking back and forth at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem, saying words, prayers, but their body movement is also part of that prayer. The act of putting a slip of paper into the wall is an act of prayer. And there's a branch of Islam called the Sufi dervishes of the Mevlevi order. And they pray through a practice called Sufi whirling. And they spin around and around and around in white frocks, listening for God. Devotees of the Hindu religion pray through meditation, mantras, and yoga. And Mary Oliver said in a poem, I don't know exactly what a prayer is. I do know how to pay attention, how to fall down into the grass, how to kneel down in the grass, how to be idle and blessed, how to stroll through the fields. Which I imagine is how some of you pray, feeling closest to God out in the garden or on the lake or with your cows. It seems that prayer is a bit more multifaceted than we might expect first expect. Our text today begins with its own line on prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with thanksgiving. Now, I don't really know what it means to devote oneself to prayer, but I imagine that all the ways I've described must count. And I wish there were a way to know the prayers of all those the end of this letter to the Colossians mentions. I wish there were a way to know all of the people mentioned in this letter. This is the longest list of greetings of all the epistles in scripture. And we know some of them from other Pauline letters, Onesimus, Luke, Epaphras. We have little tidbits of their stories. But the others are just names listed that we skim over in our reading, looking for the meat of the text. Except, perhaps, they are the meat. Here's what I mean. We may not know everyone on this list, but I'm not sure that matters all that much. Because what this long list tells us is this group of people, all doing ministry differently, yet together, shaped Paul and his students. They shaped the church in Colossians. And they have shaped many Christians throughout history 
including us, simply by being church. They worked hard. They opened the doors of their homes. They circulated the gospel. They wanted to finish well. They practiced interdependence. And we may not know all the details of their work, but the legacy of their faithfulness, of their devotion to prayer and to one another, has continued to ripple thousands of years later. They are, in a very real way, our faith ancestors. And just like the Colossians had Tychicus and Onesimus and Aristarchus and Mark and Jesus, who is now called Justice, and Epaphras and Demas and Nympha, we too have people who are known only to us in this community. We pass down the names and the stories of the ones whose memory spurs us on. But then there are also those who have been forgotten to time except for a stray membership role from the 1930s. If you'd like to see those, they're in my office. But even if we do not recognize the names on these roles, even if we do not have records and memories of all those who have passed through these doors in the nearly 140 years of this church, they still shaped the lives of those we do know, of those who have inherited the faith, of the spirit of Azel Christian Church. They too are our faith ancestors. And indeed, there are even people who are not connected to ACC in any way that have shaped your faith. People who go to a different church or no church at all. People who live nearby and people who live far away. People who are still alive and people who have joined the cloud of witnesses. They too are our faith ancestors. They are our ancestors just as much as the wandering Aramean who was our ancestor, which is the first line of the story the Hebrew people used to tell before giving their offering in the temple. Because offering a litany of those who have gone before us as an act of remembrance and worship is a practice that precedes us in our Christian faith by thousands of years. And this is also true. We are not only descendants of the Christian faith. We ourselves are ancestors. We are not just inheritors of the past, but we are also creating a future. How will we be faithful right now? How will we devote ourselves to prayer and thanksgiving here today? How will we be good ancestors? Marjorie Suhaki, the Disciples of Christ theologian I mentioned earlier, says that prayer creates a channel in the world through which God can unleash God's will toward well-being. Prayer puts you in the way of that channel, and you become a part of God's rolling waters. So essentially, through prayer, the one who prays, the prayer, becomes the prayer itself by putting ourselves in the way of the rolling waters of God. And we can trust that we don't have to be famous or do big, shiny things for God to help create the future. We just have to step into the mystery that is Christ every day, every moment, together.
because this is also true. We see in this last bit of Colossians that the life of faith is collaborative. It's a group project if ever there was one. And it's a long project, an ongoing experiment. And we are all giving ourselves to this experiment in our own way, in our diverse gifts, in our distinct way of showing up. We are doing our small things with great love, as Mother Teresa said. In our prayer lives, however different they may be from one, from each other, from one person to the next, from one season to the next, reveal the beautiful tapestry of faith, how we are all interwoven together, even in ways that remain hidden to us now. And by committing to this community of faith, to Christ himself, we have essentially devoted our lives to being present to God, to listening for God, to living our lives in front of the most holy one, in the presence of what the teenage Ashley would say, the chocolate to my milk. And this is also true. In the great experiment that is the church, in this beautiful, holy, messy endeavor, we are all doing this work of meaning-making together. We are deciding for ourselves and for our descendants in the faith, what faith is here and now. We are working hard. We are opening our doors. We are circulating the gospel. We are thinking about finishing well. And we are practicing interdependence, just like the Colossians. Because in a life devoted to prayer, we are in conversation not only with God, but with one another. There's an old saying, God doesn't need the church, but God knows we do. And by finding the traces of ourselves in this litany of names and by imagining how we could make similar lists, we are claiming a tradition that does not care so much for institutions, but it does care about communities and their specificity. It cares about people in the particular, which is less conclusive and tidy than we might like. But what is a prayer anyway? It's climbing into God's heart. It's opening a window. It's looking at Christ and letting Christ look back at us through each other. And it's so much more vibrant and freeing that way. So may we be like Tychicus and Onesimus, and Aristarchus, and Mark, and Jesus, who is now called Justice, and Epaphras, and Demas, and Nympha, even if we are only ever known to one another and to God. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Azel Christian Church podcast. Azel Christian Church exists to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ through meaningful liturgy during worship, a public witness through outreach in the community, the nurturing of the spiritual life of every age group, and the witness of each member through discipleship, baptism, and the sharing of resources. To support this podcast and the ministries of Azel Christian Church, visit azelchristianchurch.org. Here you can contribute through giving online or find our Venmo information. If you're looking for a church or simply want to talk to one of our ministers, contact us through our website and we will be in touch. 
Talk to you soon.